folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city, on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgies at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, for today's episode, this is a conversation that I've had with a buyer from the US who's in the market for a cheap holiday studio apartment, either in Osaka, Kyoto, or Tokyo. He wanted to know what exactly he can get for the budget that he has available. So we go over locations, prices, property profiles. And then the longer part of the conversation is a discussion about the potential for renting out the apartment when it's not in use, which is most of the year in their case. So we talk Minpaku or Airbnb, monthly rentals, what's possible and not possible, what's feasible and less feasible, and what they can expect realistically, both now while the borders are still closed and afterwards management companies, management fees, and also about the services that we can provide as buyers advocates and proxy portfolio managers. So real nice, thorough chat with a lot of information in it to unpack. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so I was just scrolling down through your email. Um, you're talking about a holiday home in Tokyo, Kyoto, or Osaka, right? Yeah, and we would be open as well to like Fukuoka as well. Okay, it's a very But, different uh, atmosphere yeah. and vibe. So maybe point me in the right direction here. Um, for, for now, it would definitely be like Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, yes. Okay. Um, and is that due to the, you, you like the city or because that's where the flights come in or? It's a little bit of both. Um, we like the we like the general like vibe there for sure. Um, you know, us being from the United States, like airports is big time convenient for us. Um, like the culture around the cities. Okay, well, your budget you mentioned was seventy five thousand US. Is that including purchase cost or just the listing price? Purchase. Uh, No, it's it's including purchase cost. Well, Tokyo is going to be a bit of a challenge with that budget. Yeah. And yeah. Osaka, be... maybe very suburban Osaka, but I'm not sure whether that's where you want to be staying. Uh-huh. 
Um, so what, what are your requirements, um, let's say location-wise, distance to the center, distance to, to the airport or what have you? So for us, we just want to be like, because we're obviously not going to have a car, so we would like to be 10-minute walk from a, from a station. Okay. And then um, using the train with that station going to the center, how far of a train ride do you want? 20, maybe 20 minutes. 25. Okay. Um, maybe some of suburban Osaka would fit. I'm just trying. Let me just work the numbers. So if you're talking about yeah, 70, yeah. 75,000 US, um, at the moment, the rates are really good. So that would I know. be... By the way, it's not a bad idea to transfer money to Japan ahead of the purchase, just in case the rates go back again. Yeah, it's really crazy right now. Mm. Okay, so at the moment, you're talking about nine point, wow, those are even better than I thought, 9.7, about 9.7 million yen. Mm -hmm. And that might get you something in Tokyo as well, actually, maybe a bit of an older unit, but yeah, possible in Tokyo, I think. I didn't realize they were quite that high, actually. Um, so it's, um, you don't have, have you lived in Japan? Do you have a bank account in Japan, anything of that sort? No, we don't. We don't. Okay. So, I mean, once you engage our services, you can kind of treat us as your bank account in Japan. Right. So if you do want to capitalize on the rates before they reverse, uh, just let me know and we'll push the engagement process through as soon as possible. Right. And then you can just capitalize on the rates and we'll hold on to the funds until we find the right property for you. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you're not, I mean, because if they do reverse, you're probably going to be losing at least two, three, four thousand bucks on that. Yeah. And then um, we can start looking. So we can look around. With short-term rentals, Osaka can be a little bit more challenging now since the um, late 2018, um, the Airbnb or Minpaku rules were revamped here. And now they're a bit, not a bit, a lot more strict in the sense of there has to be a proper management company in place. You can't just do it on your own or with a friend advertising for you and you know letting people in and out kind of thing. Right. And Osaka doesn't have that many of them since the revamp. A lot of them. Uh, when was you, you mentioned you stayed here in an Airbnb when, when you were the, visiting? The last time we were in Osaka was right when the pandemic was starting. So it's February 2020. Okay. And was that someone's apartment or was that an entire building? It, that was... it was actually, it was an Airbnb. Um, so it, it, it was like in a building but had multiple units in it so from what i understand like they have to own the whole building then is that correct yes so you can't really yeah. do that in a, if if there's an owner union and a building management yeah. company in place you're not going to be able to do that in the building anymore so that they must right. have been owning the entire building i'm guessing was there like a sign at the bottom like with the name of the building saying short-term stays or anything like that well yeah you know what i actually um looked back on my airbnb um like history and they actually uh they advertise that, that they are uh it's the blue sign where it says they're licensed. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the building owner would have been um, a hospitality company, a licensed Airbnb manager. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to be, if you're not going to be owning an entire building, which with this budget, obviously is not going to be the case. So right. you're not going to be able to lease it out short term. You could lease it out by the month. Um, yeah. And how does, is that, uh, is that, that's a challenge I would assume, right? Well, at the moment, any kind of short-term stay is a challenge because there's no tourists coming in at all. So right. 
bear in mind that if you're buying now, um, at least until the borders open, and I'd say it's going to take maybe about a year after the borders open until people start pouring in again. Right. And so you're looking at about a year and a half of probably close to zero short-term stays, or at least that's been our experience with customers that have these properties. Um, Yeah. Following that... um, I mean, month, monthly is not necessarily more challenging than Airbnb to populate because you do definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, you find people maybe not as frequently, but when they do come in, they stay for a period of one or six or sometimes even 12 months. Sure. The challenge there is whether you're going to be able to use the property because if somebody is on a lease for 12 months or eight months or 10 months, that might not coincide right. with your visit properly, right? Right. Um, yeah, so no, that, exactly. that's doable in a co-owned building. But then there's the booking, just the, the scheduling with your visits kind of challenge. Yeah. If you want to do actual full-on short-term stays, you need to have a house, maybe an older house. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be even more suburban. That's definitely not going to be Tokyo or Osaka. Right. And it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to be an old house, which means there's going to be two, 3000 bucks on average of maintenance a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm thinking 75,000 is going to be, in any kind of big city, is going to be, I wouldn't say within the city, maybe about an hour commute to the yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry to burst the bubble, but I just no. want to be realistic for you. No, and that's like, I, that's what I want to hear. Like, I want to know if, like, if this is at all a, like a doable thing for us, you know? And... Yeah, I mean, look, with your budget, really, I, I wouldn't go for a house because to get a house at this budget, you'd have to go deep countryside. Yeah. Um, or something that's really not livable if it's within a city, <laughs> which I wouldn't advise. Right. Um, so maybe just to do the best with the budget that we have, maybe focus, on, like you said, like a studio or a 1K in any big city. That's kind of what we were looking at anyway. Like we are, uh, me and my wife, we're, we're pretty minimalist as far as that goes. Um, you know, yeah, no, but the, the reason I'm saying that is that you need to first understand that it's not going to be airbnb out. It might yeah. be leased out by the month, which is something okay. that you need to consider depending on how frequently you visit. What, what's your regular frequency when the borders are open? I mean, I feel like the borders, it, it's all, we like to travel a lot. Um, you know, I would say we would probably be there twice a year, but that's, you know, that's, that's probably a realistic. And for how long at a, at a visit? A uh, couple weeks. Okay. Um, it'll be a challenge. I mean, a, a month out of the year at a time is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, the scheduling might work out okay as long as, long as you're not coming at peak um, autumn leaf or summer sure. season kind of thing. But right. not all management companies will take that on because that does hamper their profitability. So right. if they know that they can't schedule an entire month or you know a couple of months during the year, then they might not be that thrilled to take on management of the property. Yeah. So we can talk. But I mean, I guess the, the main directive here is for you to have a holiday home and then whatever we can do with that for short-term rentals, we're going to just go with the flow, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what like our whole point of it is, you know, and, um, you know, we're just kind of kicking the tires on it, you know? 
Yeah. So assuming, let's take into assumption a worst case scenario where you can't rent the property out short term at all. Yeah. And hopefully it's not going to be as bad as that, but let's assume that's the case. Considering that, what are the maximum monthly building fees that you'll be able to, that you'll be comfortable paying? Yeah, I was, I was like looking at that. I mean, I would say we'd probably want to spend like probably under 250 American. Okay. That, that's, that's okay. For most studio units, that would be more than sufficient, I think. Yeah. So, to, I mean, again, the rates will fluctuate at the moment. Yeah. 250 American is about 33,000 yen, which covers most of the buildings unless they're super fancy. Mm -hmm. But if and when the rates go down again, you could be looking at yeah. some, something closer to 40,000 yen, well, which might be closer to $300. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to make 250 US your top, I'd probably aim for buildings that are charging maybe up to 25,000 yen in monthly okay. maintenance, just to make sure that when the rates reverse, you're still within that 250 range. Okay. Um, so that's, again, covering most buildings. Age-wise, if possible, we would advise to go for... Are you concerned about resale value of the property down the track, or are you going to be riding it till it drops kind of thing? I mean, I think we would... Like, in theory, I, I feel like we would, just, we would just be hanging on to this, mm. like, for quite some time. Um, I mean, things change, right? You know, but as of... That, that's the plan. As of now. Okay. So if we're not super concerned about resale value, um, hopefully you would have gotten enough just by saving on hospitality fees when you yeah. visit, right? By the time you sell it. So if you take a bit of a hit with the price, it's not going to be a huge deal. Yeah. So then the only thing we're considering with age is that as the property gets older, maintenance fees, uh, monthly building fees will go up. Mm-hmm. So if we were thinking 25,000 yen, maybe let's aim for a bit less, maybe for 20,000 yen monthly fees, worst case. Okay. So at the moment, that'll be 20,000 Japanese yen in US dollar. At the moment, that'll be about 155 or 160 US per month. And then if the rates reverse, it might creep closer to 200. Yeah. And then if the building go, gets older and fees go up, hopefully it's not going to go up beyond that 250 mark. So if we aim for a building that's got monthly fees of up to 20,000 yen, we should be in a fairly safe spot uh, future-wise, mm -hmm. I would say. We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now, the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. 
So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com, well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Now, if we, um, I, I feel like I've read this somewhere and I could be totally wrong on this, but um, if you're not living in the building, do you still, because there's two sets of fees, right? There's building fees and then is there like a property manager fee for the building? There's management fee for the building, which is, which is, um, that goes to an on-site manager if they have one, a cleaning company, gardening, okay. you know, expendables like light bulbs that go out in common areas and right. stuff like that. Okay. And then there's reserve funds contribution, which goes towards right. uh, a total reserve fund pool that's then used for big items like renovation and maintenance sure. every five or 10 years. Sure. And both of those, for both of those, it doesn't make a difference if you're living in the okay. or not. What you wouldn't be paying is rent management because you're not going to have a tenant Nobody. in the property. Okay. Um, but if and when you do rent it out by the month, then yes, you will be paying. But, but that, that's only payable when you've actually got a tenant. So that's not going to be sure. money out of pocket. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, because the idea of like somebody not living there is like a very big possibility. Um, and I know these are small costs, but do you um, like, do you keep the power on and something like that? Or do you just pay like the, you have like a minimal... If you're only turning it on once or twice a year, then yes, we would keep it off. Yeah. Um, if it looks like you're becoming more frequently, then the power company would ask because every time they switch it on, they need to send somebody over. Okay. So if it happens too frequently, they will ask that you keep it on. Um, yeah. But even if that's the case, the minimum, just the, the like keep alive a month is like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just didn't even think of that till like we were talking, you know? Yeah. That, that's definitely not going to break the back. No, for sure. Okay. And then, I mean, would you have, um, I mean, some of these older buildings, like I'd be worried if we weren't there for, you know, months and months at a time, you know, just like somebody coming in to like air out the place or, you know, run the pipes. Is that an issue? It's not an issue, but it costs money. So we can, sure. uh, we, what we do for customers with holiday homes is we normally organize a, the cheapest possible local maintenance company to come in and do that yeah. um, once a couple of months, maybe maybe okay. once a month during the summer, once a couple of months the rest of the year. Okay. And they just open the windows. They, um, I mean, you're not in a, you're not looking for support. So I don't think running the water and the pipes is a big issue. They're not going to freeze no, okay. over. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, opening the windows, light airing, a bit of vacuuming, kind of thing, dusting. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take long, but usually these companies have a minimum of two hours monthly that they want sure. you to sign up for. So you're probably looking at somewhere between four to six thousand yen a month, something like oh, that. Yeah. I'm not. We haven't done this in Tokyo, so I'm not sure. Tokyo might be a bit pricier, but usually it's yeah. somewhere between yeah four to six thousand yen a month. Oh yeah, okay, that, that's fine. Yeah. I was curious about that because I feel like you'd want somebody in there. Yeah, and for us to manage everything for you um, and pay your bills and be the contact person for the building management company and for the cleaning company or for the property manager if you end up renting it out, we charge um, 2,800 yen plus tax, so th about 3,000 yen a month. Okay. Just for one hour of monthly work. Sure. And then if you need us to do anything special, like, for example, the first time we liaise with the cleaning company, sign the contract, we need to meet them at the property, give them the key, and just walk with them through the property. Right. Or if you happen to ask us to do any renovation or, you know, receive or purchase furniture for you, um, anything of that sort, we just charge by the hour. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus transportation, depending on where the city is, that might be up to uh, where the city, where the property is, that might be an extra. I mean, if it's Tokyo or Osaka, we'd usually come in by budget flight. Any other place, it might be train. So let's say, worst case, maybe 20,000, 30,000 yen for a visit like that. Okay. And if like those two cities, like Osaka and Tokyo, like, I know they're like they're they're similar they're similar to me they're similar cities and to my wife they're they're similar like big cities yeah. what would you think like our uh, our better shot would be I guess well it's gonna be thinking about the short-term rentals it's gonna be a lot easier and more manageable in Tokyo mm-hmm there are plenty of companies doing that in Tokyo. A lot of them would be English-speaking companies, so we can put you yeah. in touch with them directly if you want, or we can manage it for you. Mm -hmm. um, Osaka, Kyoto, it's a bit more challenging. Kyoto is probably a bit easier because it's a lot more touristic. Um, it does attract quite a few people who stay in short-term properties, um, but it'd be easiest in Tokyo. Okay. And we've also okay. got a good company that we've worked with that does that here in Fukuoka City, where we're located. Yeah. Um, but Kyoto shouldn't be a big deal. In Osaka and Kobe specifically, I've heard that they don't really like short terms that much recently. Mm -hmm. so it might be a bit more challenging there. Yeah. Um, but Kyoto, Tokyo, Fukuoka should be very doable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I know I'm all over the place here. Go for uh, it. I'm sorry. Um, what, like, so for this type of place, like in Fukuoka, like what are we looking at? Um, that's going to be in probably a slightly nicer property in Fukuoka, I would say. 75,000 might even get you a two-bedroom that's fairly central here, as long as you don't mind the age of the building too much. Mm -hmm. um, suburban Osaka might be same. If you don't mind being uh, 20 minutes from center, like you mentioned in Osaka, you might be able to get something a bit bigger or newer as well. Yeah. Um, I mean... The biggest difference, I suppose, is the, um, I mean, Fukuoka is very much attractive in the summer, whereas Tokyo and Osaka are just, I mean, Tokyo's got a bit of a beach. I wouldn't call it a beach, but 
It's got yeah. a bit of uh, ocean access. Osaka doesn't have any of that. I mean, it's got the port, but it's not very exciting there. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for the beach life, I would go for Fukuoka. Yeah. Um, anything else? I mean, airport-wise, though, like you mentioned, Tokyo and Osaka are much more convenient for somebody coming from the U.S. For sure. I mean, we're in San Diego, so I got like the <laughs> I got the beach like ten minutes away. Yeah. Uh, so I guess budget-wise, in Fukuoka, you'd get a fairly central, slightly bigger property for that budget. Yeah. Um, in Tokyo and Osaka, it'd be very suburban and most likely smaller and older. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, again, like. I guess, like, you know, do you think, like, the studio, as far as, do you think that would be our best bet, like, in any of these cities? As opposed to what? What's the other option? Well, like, even if it wasn't, like, Fukuoka, like, a, like a two-bedroom, like, even, does that have better, better rentability? I guess does, that does have more, like, rentability than a um, studio? For monthly, re- again, we're talking just monthly. It's not going to be Airbnb, right? Yeah. So for Airbnb purposes, I would have said family size is actually your best bet, best profitability-wise. Mm-hmm. Profitability um, for monthly stays, maybe not a studio, but 1K or 1DK kind of property up to maybe 30, 35 square meters would be the ideal profile. Okay. Uh, that would stand the highest chance of being populated uh, you know, as much as possible throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. And maybe not too small if you're going to be renting it out by the month. It's better to have a bit more space, but definitely don't go family size. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess if I could, like, if you guys could, like, maybe send me some sample listings or something so I can kind of get an idea what I'm looking at. Yep. So but we can definitely do that. So what, we'll, what we normally do is we, we can put in a couple of hours of free research just to give you an idea sure. of what's available out there. Yeah. And then if you want to do more research, or you want us to start contacting sellers or realtors and, you know, make offers, do due diligence. At that point, we'll need to be engaged. So we'll need a couple of documents signed and witnessed and our fee estimate paid in advance. Okay. And that's going to be based on your uh, estimated budget. And then post settlement, if you end up getting something a bit cheaper or a bit pricier, we'll just credit or debit the difference. Sure. Um, but the only thing is, if you do want to capitalize on those rates and transfer money yeah, across yeah. sooner rather than later, we do need to get this done earlier. So yeah. regardless, I mean, we're happy to send you samples, like I said, anytime. Yeah. Um, but if you want to transfer those funds across, it's better to get the engagement process out of the way sooner. Cool. All right. Yeah. That'd be, so um... I'll put in those couple of hours. I'll schedule it for sometime in the next week, week and a half. Yeah, I would greatly appreciate that. Not a problem. And then if and when you're ready, um, either because you want to submit an offer or because you want to remit funds, if and when you're ready, let me know and we'll, we'll take it uh, through with the engagement. Sounds wonderful. All right. All right. Hope to find you something nice soon. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. See you soon. Greatly Bye. Bye. All right. So there you have it. It's important to be realistic, which is what I hope I was able to bring to this conversation. So know what to expect, what not to expect, and what could be a nice added bonus, but is definitely not guaranteed. And then based on these realities, you might want to reevaluate your strategy, uh, your budget, if necessary, and most importantly, your expectations. So hope you found some value in this conversation.
Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Bye.